Our first guest tonight is Angela O'Keefe. Angela grew up on a farm in the Lockyer Valley, one of 10 children. She completed a Master's of Art in Writing UTS, that's the University of Technology, Sydney, and her first novel, Night Blue, was shortlisted for the Glenda Adams Award for New Writing and for the Prime Minister's Literary Awards. Her new novel, published by UQP, is this lovely book, The Sitter. She is the recipient of a 2023 Varuna Eleanor Dark Fellowship. Please make Angela welcome. Thank you. Now, Angela, this novel's a gem. It's a, it's a, oh, a, a kind of you. tightly wound tale uh, about two women who live 100 years apart. It begins with them in a room in Paris at the start of the pandemic. One is a writer whose surname just happens to be O'Keefe. The other is the subject of her research, a woman called Hortense Fiquet, better known by her married name. And, and this might become something of a theme for this evening's discussions, Hortense Cezanne. I wonder if you might begin by telling us how you came to be writing this novel in the first place. I was actually still working on my first novel, which is also about art, and I was in Paris and I came across a, an exhibition of Cezanne's portraits and Hortense was in, was, there were a few portraits of Hortense and on one of the museum tiles... It said something about how they had a very unhappy marriage. And as I went around the exhibition, she looks very unhappy in most of the portraits. And as I went around the exhibition, there was just a little bit more information about her and how uh, she, was, she was sort of despised by his friends and... Uh, critics and Roger Fry, the critic, had said about her, had called her that sour bitch of a madam. So, you know, this this all interested me, and I think if if it had been a happy marriage, I wouldn't have been interested. But <laughs> you know, of course, it was speaking to something about fiction and what fiction can do, and I was really interested in writing about her. Yeah, I mean, he actually painted her 29 times. That's correct, and he sketched her as well. And and from what I can understand, he was a, a, a very hard taskmaster. He, 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 when he was painting, he would um, take hours and hours, and the sitter was not allowed to move at any time during this period. That's correct. And he painted... So some of his other models really complained. Oh, but she so, was but, but uncomplaining. His main, his main model never complained, though, did it? No, she was... No, she, the, the mountain, because he did the oh, only... the mountain. <laughs> That's right. He, he painted the mountain outside um, his, his town, the town... Uh, the most times, that's correct. I can't remember how many now. but um, And he painted himself more times than he painted his wife. But his art dealer used to complain, you know, and he was only painted a few times and he really complained. But, um, you know, and yet Hortense end, ended up with the bad reputation. Yeah, and so um, what, who was she? What, where, where did she come she from? She was um, a working-class woman who grew up in rural France and came to Paris when she was, I think, uh, about nine 
and she ended up working, uh, there's not a lot known about her, by the way, uh, she ended up working as a bookbinder and an artist's model, and that's when Suzanne met her. Um, you know, there's some sort of, you know, some, some accounts say that she was already an artist's model, and others say that that that, that you know, meeting him meant that she became one. Yeah. So... I just played around in my book with the kind of stereotypes about her, um, that she was, you know, that she was surly, she was unhappy, she was a drunk. Yeah. Mm. Um, Rather than trying to refute those stereotypes, I thought it was interesting to kind of inhabit them fictively and see what light could be shone from within them. Yeah. Mm. I think it's important to note that this, this novel that you've written, it's not an attack on Cezanne. No, not, not at all. But, um, yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that was a leading question to you. <laughs> um, no, I was aware that I... You know, it's about her. Yes. So, so I, was, I was aware of him, of course, and reading about him, but... My focus was so much on her that it just sort of happened naturally that uh, I would I would mention him, of course, and I would write about him, but it wasn't that that it wasn't an attack because the focus wasn't on him. In, in fact, in, in many ways, the focus of the book is also the author. I mean, it, it's a two-hander. This that's, book, that's that's correct. book, and and. Hortense is telling us the story about the author's life as the same time as the author is telling us the story about, well, in fact, it's not quite so much. The author's story is kind of their own story in some way, yeah? Yes, I think what I wanted to do, the, the, the reason I have the two characters is that I was interested in seeing what this character could be now and what she could be through the gaze of an author writing about her. Yeah. You know, rather than just saying, yes, art can speak to what is, what about art speaking to what might be and what's possible? So Hortense actually gets to look back at her life with fresh eyes, I think, in a sense. Okay. That's how I see it. Yeah. It, look, that might be a good time just to... Would you mind giving us just a short sure. reading from, from yep. the book? So I'm actually going to read from the start of the book. From the window of a hotel room in Paris, a view of rooftops, the Brown River, a cobblestoned street, one corner of a scaffolded, burnt-out church... It is the morning in March 2020 and the air holds a breath of warmth. The sky is a pale, hopeful blue. Normally on such a morning, a morning that is chilly but nevertheless heralds the first hint of spring, the street would be almost crowded, the mood bordering on flamboyant, as the first hint of spring is more a cause for celebration than spring itself. But this morning, from this window, just three people can be seen in the street. Two women walk side by side, each carrying brown paper bags of groceries, each wearing a blue surgical mask. 
a small child strides out ahead of them, stopping every now and then to gaze with curiosity at the cobblestones, as if the cobblestones are marvellous, as if the cobblestones possess some secret that will any moment make itself known. The window through which this scene is being viewed is tall and graceful, with a suggestion of something lacking, an almost imperceptible narrowness to the design that suggests, perhaps, that generosity must be tempered with humility. Its glass is clean, flawless, except for a crack running from the lower left corner towards the centre, a crack that looks like a lightning bolt, not the zigzag representation of a lightning bolt, but a real one. It has a real lightning bolt's meandering beauty and unwavering sense of purpose. The air inside the room is without a season. A temperature gauge hidden somewhere in the room or in the innards of the building it itself ensures this. The chilly air from outside comes in through the crack in the window, just a little of it, seeking warmth. The neutral air from inside the room wafts out through the crack in the window, just a little of it, seeking adventure. In and out the air goes, in and out. There are two people in the room. A woman in her 60s stands at the window. She has just taken in the view as I have described it. The two women in the street, their brown paper bags of groceries. From the top of one protrudes something leafy, from another a baguette. The child striding ahead with, of them with full of curiosity and an easy confidence. The woman at the window has long, greyish silver hair streaked here and there with black. It looks like the remnants of a fire, soot and half-burnt logs arranged into something smooth and almost pleasing. The sunlight streaming in the window highlights the tiny lines that fan out from the corners of her eyes and around her lips. The other person in the room is me, Marie Hortense Fiquet Cezanne. You may recognise my last name. Yes, that Cezanne. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I don't want to make uh, this is all a kind of completely meta novel, but it you know it it, it it's not because it's a really personal story about both Hortense and the author, but it does involve an author whose name happens to be O'Keefe and mm. who feels a lot like the person who might be writing it. Um, how do you respond to that? Okay, so I did... So there's a part of the novel that is the story within the story, which is the story of the right, the woman at the, at the window's sort of backstory. When she was 16, something happened at the farm where she grew up. Uh, in the Lockyer Valley, which is where I grew up. Um, but it's not... And the family's very like my family, so, yes, it, it's, it's personal, but the event that occurs isn't, didn't happen to me. Yeah. So it's it It's is a fiction. work of fiction, yeah. It's a work of fiction. Is that sort of what you're getting at? Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I just, I just wanted... <laughs> yeah. to, uh, it, it's a... It's a an unusual uh, approach, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. So I was just kind of keen to to tease it out a little yes, bit. Yes, and the fact that because there's a little bit about Georgia O'Keeffe in in the novel, um, and 
the, the writer, the author is reading a book about Georgia O'Keeffe and, and she ends up calling herself Georgia in this story that she ends up telling about her past. So yes, Georgia O'Keeffe and my name's O'Keeffe. So that was a little bit of fun for me, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And, and I mean, it, as you mentioned when you first started this, the, your, your previous book, which was called Night Blue, uh, it was told from the aspect of the painting Blue Poles, the Jackson That's Pollock correct. poem, and about, his, about the relationship between him, Lee, Jackson Pollock, and Lee Krasner, his wife. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm interested, well, it goes on to talk about a whole lot of other things, but I'm mm -hmm. kind of interested in this that you've now written two novels that are kind of art-centred. Is, this, is, mm. this, is there something that you want to speak about there? Yeah, it's, I, I sort of well, have been asking myself why. <laughs> why? Uh, because I don't have an art background, but I think with the first book it definitely had to do with... Um, blue poles being purchased and my parents just going ballistic and I was a young child and and so that always stayed with me. I didn't always think I'd write a novel about it but I think there's something about art that art can travel across time and you know as I said I feel like it's there's so much possibility there when you look at a painting um, and the people involved with making a painting. And so, to me, it kind of goes with fiction really well. Uh, that said, my next book's not about art, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you do have a next book? Yeah, I'm working on a next book. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I, I listened to an interview with you, or I read an interview with which you spoke about your joy in putting words on the page. Mm. And... Uh, I notice, though, your book is really condensed, right? I mean, yes. you're, you're, these are not, as I said, it's a gem of a book, but it's not a long book. And I just wondered, for somebody who, who obviously enjoys the process of writing, how do you pare it down? Mm. That's part of the joy of it for me is to, you know, I feel like I'm, the, the, the aim is to make something beautiful and small and sort of essential, you know. I want to get... It's, it's how I can get to the essence of it, if I could do it by writing a bigger book. But I feel like it's actually essential to me finding what it is that I'm... Not only what I'm writing about, but I'm, what I'm writing towards is to is to have this small scale that's got a lot going on in it. So is it kind of writing a process of rewriting then for you? You kind of create a larger picture and then you kind of carve it away? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, the first draft on both of both the books was shorter and then I'm adding and then I'm... You know, Te teasing up, yes, building, adding, on, building on the scaffold. Yes, you've and then I've got a notebook of things that I've written down that I know might go somewhere, and and so things are added that way. Yeah. So, where does the next book go? Where, to, where does it go? The one you, the one you're. Oh, you're... I don't know yet, <laughs> so I can't. Um, it's very early, and 
Um, there is actually a little bit of art in it, but it's not. <laughs> there has to <laughs> be. It, it might get built no upon <laughs> over time. <yeah. laughs> but, you know, there's not sort of, you know, there's not someone from a portrait, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lord Angela, Angela's book, The Sitter, geez, this is a kind of advanced interview because it's actually launched on Friday. At, is that at Avid Reader? That's correct, at, at, at Avid, Reader. Avid Reader. And we wish you all the best with it because it really is an absolute delight. And Thank it's an absolute so delight much. to have you come to, to, to be with us here. Thank you so much. Thank Put your hands together for Angela. Thank you.